Hello and welcome to Toku Heroes and Kaiju. I'm Seb Gooday and I am going to be one of your two hosts as we begin this new podcast discussing tokusatsu, kaiju movies, pretty much anything that revolves around guys in rubber suits fighting each other in beautifully constructed model cities. I'm joined here today by... I'm Dustin Mills. I'm a a guy who watches tokusatsu and talks to Seb about it. <laughs> we've been uh, talking to each other about tokusatsu for a few months now, and uh, now we've decided to inflict our, our conversations upon the rest of the world. Yeah, which was, I mean, which was your idea, and I'm glad you, 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 you took all the, the work on to, <laughs> to make it a podcast. Because <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I'll talk about it, but I, I didn't want to do the work. Well... We decided we would start things off here with uh, what's probably the most commonly known tokusatsu franchise in North America, which is Godzilla, of course. Specifically, I wanted to start with the Heisei series because I feel like that is what Dustin and I grew up on initially when it came to Godzilla. It was probably our first real encounter with genuine tokusatsu outside of stuff like Power Rangers, for instance. Yeah, uh, th honestly, this was my entry point. Uh, Godzilla 84, Return of Godzilla, Godzilla 85, whatever you want to call it, was my first Godzilla movie, my first tokusatsu movie, and then it was Power Rangers. So Godzilla predates Power Rangers even for me, but I was definitely a Power Rangers kid. Yeah, same. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit. But first, I wanted to give uh, just a quick rundown of what we'll be discussing here today. This is going to be a rundown of the Heisei franchise. We will be specifically focusing on the return of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Biollante, and the finale film, Godzilla vs. Destroya. Before we begin our chat on return, I'll give a little bit of background history on the movie, because it actually had quite the uh, interesting pre-production or development. Originally, there was going to be a remake of the 1954 Godzilla film sometime in the late 70s. It was going to utilize... Uh, available effects techniques at the time to try and just create a more contemporary retelling with the same characters and the same plot line. That kind of fell by the wayside when Steve Miner wanted to license Godzilla to do his 3D version, which Fred Decker wrote the script for. That ultimately went nowhere. Meanwhile, Toho was going back and forth on what to do with it. A lot of ideas were thrown about they wanted to do another movie where Godzilla fought a different monster, for instance. The idea of just remaking it again came up. Ultimately, they decided to do a sequel that kind of retconned everything else and just returned Godzilla to his roots. It was the middle of the Cold War. There's a lot of tension from that. They decided to use that as the crux of the uh, nuclear message behind the film, really returned to that kind of angst that they had from the original movie. So Tomoyuki Tanaka approached Ishiro Honda, the director of the original Godzilla, about doing the film. Shiro Honda turned it down, feeling Godzilla shouldn't be made without Eiji Tsuburaya, who had passed away in 1970. And they moved forward with another director, brand new script, and uh, did their best to create an 80s version of Godzilla that could resonate with audiences of the time. So, Dustin, was this your first time watching it in a while? or? Yeah, I, I had not uh, seen it in a while, and uh, I, think, I think you and I... Um share this experience with it. I grew up watching the, the Roger Cormanized American version of Godzilla. What are we going to call it, Seb? Is it 84, 85 or return of Godzilla? What is the... So I'm going to call the Japanese version return of Godzilla, even though in Japan it was just called Godzilla. Yeah. Godzilla. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
yeah, so I grew up with Godzilla 85, which I think is what the American version is called, uh, which has, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the, the Steve Martin character in it played by Raymond Burr and is, is cut together a little bit differently. It has a lot of Dr. Pepper product placement, <laughs> that type of stuff. <laughs> um, this, you know, this time watching it was interesting too, because I, I have a, a, like a weird personal rule with Godzilla movies. I always watch them dubbed. Cause it's just the, the dubbing is like the cheesiness of the dubbing is like part of the experience for me. But today, um, or not today, but this time when I watched the movies we're talking about, I watched them all subbed and it was a very different experience. It, it strips away some of the cheesiness associated with the movies. Um, but yeah, I had not, I I can't remember the last time I watched it, probably whenever the, the Blu-ray first came out. So it's been a few years. What, what did, what did you think of it? this time when you watch yeah it. this was my first time watching it in a couple of years and one thing i always forget about it because i've seen this version a couple of times before is the fact that there's a very very heavy emphasis on the political nature of the story and it almost feels like a prototype for what shin godzilla would be later on uh i thought the same thing i thought that when i was watching i was like the the back and forth between bureaucracy and then the like like the more ground level, like what, you know, how do we deal with Godzilla felt very much like Shin to me. Yeah, and it kind of feels like the right balance between the Showa, the early, early Showa era Godzilla movies, like the first three or four, and what we would later get with Shin in the sense that we are following a science team of characters, a professor and his colleagues trying to find a scientific method of defeating Godzilla, while also having these subplots with different political powers arguing about what to do with him. They gel in an interesting way, but at times the pacing gets pretty wonky because of it. A lot of focus is placed on the political stuff for the first maybe 40 minutes and then kind of shoved aside for the rest of it. I would have liked probably more emphasis on that, honestly. Yeah, it was in the beginning, they're throwing a lot of characters at you. Um, and, and as I was watching it, you know, cause I, I, I couldn't remember, like I remembered, um, the, uh, I'm looking at my notes to get character names. Um, I remember Maki's character. I remembered, uh, uh, professor, uh, Hayashida, like the, those people I remembered, I did not remember the political side of it. So as I was watching and I was like, I was like taking notes. I was like, Oh, all these characters seem important. And then most of them fall by the wayside by the middle half of the movie. And they, they aren't given a lot of screen time. Um, but I will say I was, and I don't know if it's because I was taking notes and because I was watching with subs this time, but I was way more engaged this time than the last time I watched it. I was way more interested in what was going on. And oddly enough, the, the areas of the movie that kind of, let me down a little bit were the Godzilla scenes. Uh, it it felt like, <laughs> which I think I read somewhere that like the guy they put in the suit is not who the suit was built for. And they had some like issues with that. And, but like the suit looked weird. Um, the, the animatronic version they use in close-ups is awful. Uh, Godzilla's eyes are so goofy. He's all wall-eyed, and, <laughs> and it's it, it 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 looked like they put a lot of money into it, and they were trying really hard, but it just off. It looks wonky, like, and you could tell they tried to do big stuff, right? Because they had a full-size Godzilla foot, but that looked bad too. Every time you see it, it looks bad. All the miniatures were great. All the pyrotechnics were great, but like 
and I love the Super X, the 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 vehicle they build to battle Godzilla. But the Godzilla himself, sometimes it's even comical. Like when there's the scene where he first comes in to, uh, um, I can't remember if it's Tokyo, but when he first comes to land, he literally is like stumbling <laughs> into stuff. Like he's like accidentally knocking stuff over, which is really weird. It was, I, it was, it was a weird experience to be like, cause usually I have the opposite reaction where I'm very engaged with the Godzilla stuff and the human stuff. I'm like, whatever. But this one, I was like, I'm more engaged with the human stuff because the Godzilla stuff is kind of poorly done. Well, you know, I'm happy you brought up the animatronic because the funny story behind that is that Tomoyuki Tanaka, who was the longtime producer and frontrunner of the Godzilla franchise, was very inspired by what Dino De Laurentiis had Carlo Rambaldi do for the 76 King Kong movie, but he seemed to not realize... Oh, the giant... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, you mean the giant I Kong do. robot they built for... Which didn't work, <laughs> right? Like, they had issues with that, too, so... Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, Kong, the 76 version of Kong was one influence on how they wanted to approach remaking it in general. Um, they were also inspired by other recent, you know, quote-unquote gritty remakes of 50s sci-fi movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers and so on. And you can see a bit of that. This one is probably the closest thing to a true horror film Godzilla had been up to that point, I think, especially the opening like 10 minutes on the deserted boat. It's it's yeah. Oh, I wanted to bring something up about the, the scenes on the boat, um, which I had written down the name and now I've lost it. Uh, but the, the boat where they find um, uh, Akamura Maki finds and rescues Akamura. There's like, and it happens once again, one more time later in the movie, but there's like Mario Bava horror lighting in the boat scene, like there's like purple lights in the hallways and there's a part where I think Maki is cast in like green and then a corpse hand that's cast in blue falls into the, the front of the frame. Like this, it was very weird, but I mean, it makes sense. It works. It's a really cool sequence with the giant sea louse and all that stuff. But, um, it was, it was kind of startling and weird to see that like weird, like Italian horror movie lighting. And then they do it again when they're trying to escape um, the building during the Godzilla attack. When the power goes out, the um, I can't remember what color it is, but the stairwell they're in is cast in weird, garish horror movie lighting, too. Really interesting choice for them to do that. Yeah, uh, the guy who directed this, uh, Kochi Hashimoto, this is one of only two features he ever directed, the other being a film called Sayonara Jupiter. And I'm not sure if he was influenced in any way by uh, Mario Bava or Gento or any of those guys, but... It's hard to look at those scenes and not think he didn't at least see those movies at some point. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, it's effective, but it also just sticks out because the rest of the movie, most for the most part, adopts a more serious, um, realistic kind of tone. Of course, the exception being the weird, like, drunk guy who stumbles into the movie. And I, I didn't even understand what happened with him. Like, did he just, did he like die of a heart attack before Godzilla stomped him? Like, I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know what was going on with that guy. I didn't quite get what the point of the character was. He's played by a relatively well-known Japanese folk singer. So I think he was just supposed to be there as a celebrity okay. cameo. But it, it is a very odd character. Isn't there, isn't there a cameo, too, of the guy who smiles when right before Godzilla kills him when he's on the train? Oh, the priest. Did you notice that? Yeah. I assume that's a cameo because it was such a weird shot of like 
they cut to this priest and he like smiles and, <laughs> and then dies. It was really bizarre. you know I should have looked that up. No, I do know which part you're talking about. It's a it's a yeah, strange yeah. It's moment. It's very strange. Um, I'm glad you brought up the strength of the human story though, because I actually think this has one of the better casts of the Heise or Heisei era. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree. I I thought everyone did a good job and they were convincing in that the characters were relatively um, compelling. Like I, I cared what was going on with them. Yeah, exactly. And even like um, a lot of characters that are on paper, pretty one note, like uh, Hayashida is not a particularly interesting character, but the actor who plays him, uh, Yosuke Natsuki, he really sells it, especially in those final moments when he's watching Godzilla fry in the volcano. Yeah, he, um, but he's one of those characters that, um, he's it's a it's like a simple character given to a good mm -hmm. actor but when i say simple i don't mean that in a bad way i mean like he he's very like cut and dry it's like he you know his uh parents died in the original godzilla attack and now he's 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 the one working on the oops i just bumped my mic he's the one working on the alternate method of like getting rid of godzilla but uh, even though his his parents died in the attack it doesn't feel like it's coming from a place of vengeance. It almost feels like, look, this is the more peaceful way to get rid of him. This is the more, you know, by using the the frequency from the birds and everything like that. Like this, it, it didn't feel like he was like, fuck that monster. <laughs> I'm taking him down. He adopted a way more interesting take on that character. Maybe that was the actor making that decision, but um, I thought that was interesting. He wasn't like gung ho. I'm a murder this monster back for what he did to me, but he had that element to his back. Yeah, exactly. He could have been a one note kind of uh, like an Ahab type character, but instead he ended up being the most rational one around. I'm I'm like struggling because uh, I'm I'm I think maybe watching these so close together was a mistake because I'm realizing that they're starting to blur <laughs> together, um, and I was like. Oh, but there was Gondo, and I'm like, no, wait, he's not in this movie. He's in the other movie. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like losing track of people. I uh, um, unless you had something else to say about uh, the leads, I did want to touch upon another cast member who probably steals the show for me, and that is uh, yeah, go ahead. It's Keiji. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name. Keiju Kobayashi, who plays the prime minister, who I think easily gives the most nuanced yeah. performance in the movie. He. He makes an interesting choice at the end. Yes. When when Godzilla, you know, falls into the um falls into the volcano, which after all of the destruction of the movie, the movie still treats as a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's a tragedy that we're losing Godzilla at the end of this movie. Spoilers, he he's not dead, but you know, <laughs> it's like the movie treats it like a tragedy, and so does the prime minister. There's a shot on him where he is like has a very very melancholy look on his face even though he spent the entire movie trying to kill that monster which i thought was a really again i don't know if it's like this was the actor's choice this was the director's choice but it was a really interesting take uh, and i and i don't even fully understand it but i appreciated it cuz it was interesting it reminded me of something akira takarada who was the lead in the original godzilla said when he first saw the first movie which is you spend the whole movie terrified of godzilla then at the end of that one they get to the bottom of the ocean to detonate the oxygen destroyer and you just see he's like this quiet animal who wants to be left alone and it's almost like in that moment everybody in that boardroom's watching this thing fry to death and they're realizing oh crap we didn't just diffuse a weapon we just killed an animal and it's and maybe 
maybe there's a sense of we killed this thing of which there are no others. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe the tragedy is that there is only, you know, one Godzilla kind of like, um, uh, Guillermo del Toro does a similar thing in Hellboy two with the, with the elemental where it's like, we're going to kill this thing to save all these people. But it's a tragedy that this thing died because there's only one and it was a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, people can say what they will about the U S cut, but, I think Raymond Burr's narration during that finale really sells it. I don't know if you remember much about that monologue. I don't. I wish that I had like access to mm-hmm. the, it's probably on the internet somewhere, but I'd really like to see the American version. Cause you know, the American version of the original film is readily available and included on the Blu-ray and all that, but it would have been nice to have that version. I'd, I'd really like to see it again. Yeah, the American cut is interesting. Uh, I guess I'll give a bit of backstory on that quickly. Uh, New World, uh, New World Pictures, rather, they picked up the rights distributed in North America. They chose to do what they did with the original Godzilla movie: re- bring Raymond Burr back as his character from that film, dub it over, trim it down significantly, alter some plot lines, like they made the Russians the villains which they totally aren't in the Japanese version. And, uh, you know, the results are about what you'd expect, but man, Raymond Burr sells it. He gives a great performance, and he's the reason why they didn't go through with cutting it into a comedy, which is what New World wanted to do initially. You know, there's there's something to be said, too, of the, of the original, um, like the King of the Monsters version of the original movie, in that it's not bad. It's like, it's a, it's a different take on the movie, and it, it comes from it comes at it from a uniquely American approach, whereas the original without, you know, the Raymond Burr scenes is very, very Japanese. Um, it's but it's not bad. It's not like they butchered it by by doing that. It, it's it was it was well executed. But I, I remember so little about the American version of this movie that I, I don't know if it's it's the same. What, so what what is poignant about Raymond Burr's? Uh, monologue at, at the, the end. end of the film uh it's just a voiceover narration it's cutting back and forth between hayashida watching godzilla die the people in the uh japanese boardroom watching people die and these u.s guys with Raymond burr watching him die and he's just talking about how every now and then nature has to do something to remind people where they are on the totem pole and that ultimately godzilla was an innocent in the entire scenario and regardless of if he comes back or not we should all remember what he meant and i think it's like it that, powerful th- that is and it even lines up thematically with the original cut I yeah. think it just puts it into words rather than you know i think the japanese cut that that theme is there too but they try to play it through the faces of the actors more than via dialogue that's interesting man i really want to watch that now i'd really like do you remember that. the haunting death shriek they give godzilla in that version I do remember that he makes like a sad like whale yeah. sound like when he that's how I remember it anyway when he falls into the volcano and I do miss that when I watch this version because I'm like oh it's sadder <laughs> when he kind of cries a little, yeah. a little bit on the way down. <laughs> um, speaking of themes that's a great segue let's talk about the music a little bit because oh, gee. well yeah, I'll okay. talk about the music a little <laughs> bit because I'm a sucker for, for film scores this is my jam. Um, Akira Fukube yeah who composed the original Godzilla movies, he was approached to do the, a brand new score for this movie. Uh, at the time he was tied up, he had taken a job teaching music at the Tokyo College of Music or something like that. So he turned on the offer. 
And the result is a score that is a little bit more, well, it's very modern, obviously. It's very much of its time. And it's not always fitting. <laughs> no, it's kind of terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... I, I I I deeply deeply missed the Godzilla theme. I, I I really missed it. And then of course there's the song that plays in the end credits. Yeah. Goodbye Godzilla. Which, take care Godzilla. Goodbye. Yeah. What? I just. Goodbye now Godzilla. I, <laughs> there's there's part of me that loves it for how brazenly stupid it is. It's so brutally out of but place. At the same, it, it would be like, I'm trying to think of like, like another example of like, like a movie that has a very, very sad ending. It'd be like a, the Godfather ends. And then there was like a rap about the events of the Godfather that played right after Like, it's just the movie is so solemn. And then all of a sudden here's this goofy song. And all I can figure is like, maybe because the song is the song entirely in English. It's at least mostly in English. The right? chorus is in English for sure. I can't remember if any other parts of it are. Maybe to, like, non-English, you know, native English-speaking ears, like, the, it doesn't sound as weird because it's in English. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, I'm just like, what are they doing? This is embarrassing. <laughs> like, I'm getting secondhand embarrassment from hearing this song. It's so weird. Well, the movie ended up not doing that great at the Japanese box office from what I gather, but it was very well received with both critics and fans, and it kind of helped usher Godzilla back into the Japanese uh, zeitgeist of the 1980s. So obviously, plans for a sequel started up, and they weren't too sure what to do with it initially, other than they knew they needed to have Godzilla fight another monster again. So a lot of ideas were tossed around. They decided to hold a contest of which a dentist won. He came up with the idea for what would be Biolante. Yeah, you didn't know that story? I didn't yeah. know that. No, a dentist invented Biolante. A dentist came up with the initial idea in that contest. He won. Yeah. So a dentist was like, all right, listen, <laughs> it's a plant, but it's also the guy's ghost daughter. All right. <laughs> I don't know why he talks like this, but that's what I imagine. And Toho was like, done. I love it. That's great. We love ghost daughters. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Tanaka chose uh, five finalists. And handed them to the director who was chosen, who was uh, Kazuki Amori. And uh, Amori went with the Biolante idea. Uh, the dentist actually also came up with the concept of it being the soul of the scientist's daughter. Because he wrote it thinking, how would I be acting if my daughter died? So this is an interesting man. Um, but yeah, that is our segue into Godzilla versus Biolante. Uh, for those who are not aware, it takes place few years after Godzilla 1985, or Return of Godzilla. Terrorists steal Godzilla cells. Scientist uses cells and creates a plant monster with the soul of his do- dead daughter in it. Godzilla breaks out of a volcano, and fun ensues. Godzilla is released from ah. a volcano by a terrorist bomb planted by a Seradian terrorist. Yes, Seradian. <laughs> Serrati Sir, uh, being a being a fictional uh, country that is definitely not Saudi Arabia. Absolutely, but it's Saradia. Um. So, when was the last time prior to this you watched Godzilla vs. Biollante, and what did you think of it this time around? So the last time would have been on DVD because my my Blu-ray uh, was unopened when I went to get it. So I I thought I'd watched it more recently than that, but I guess not. Um. 
So I open the Blu-ray thereby, thereby reducing its value because apparently it's rare. But when I bought it, it was five dollars. Um, is a bargain bin Blu-ray. But uh, my my experience this time was like I remember this being a lot better. Uh, I do not think it's bad. I think I thought all of the now I had the the goddamn opposite reaction, Seb, where I was like, all the monster stuff is awesome. I cannot keep track of. I have 16 pages of notes <laughs> from from watching Godzilla vs. Biollante because, I, like, there is there is so much. There's so many characters. There's so much going on. By virtue or by not by virtue, it's a negative of having so many characters. There, none of them are really developed. The 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 biggest victim of that is there's a young girl named uh, Miki who returns to the series later, who's a psychic ultimately has virtually no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Like she doesn't really affect anything, but Hey, there's psychics now, I guess in the Godzilla world, this one was a, this was a tough, tough cookie because I, I remembered loving this a lot more than I ended up loving it this time. But the suit, the Godzilla suit is amazing in this one. And the close up animatronic is even more amazing I love the design. I love his ears. I love that they fix the eyes. I love that he has multiple rows of teeth. His his tongue moves like he has facial expressions. He looks awesome. Uh, Bialante looks awesome. Every time they battle, it's pretty awesome, except for the ending, which is a little weak. But uh, all that stuff is wonderful. And the uh, Super X2, I love even more than the Super X1. Uh, I thought the Super X2 was a super badass looking model, and I loved it. What did you think this time watching it? What was the last time you watched it? And what did you think? This I time? last wa- I last watched it maybe whenever Shin Godzilla came out. I was doing a rewatch of most of them, and uh, I-, I liked it a lot then. And honestly, I liked it a lot now. I f- I really love the tone of this one in particular. It's kind of like a it's like a biopunk Godzilla movie, and. <laughs> You know what? You know what I thought, Seb, and you'll appreciate this. I would have never made this comparison before because I didn't have this comparison to make in my head because I hadn't seen this stuff. It felt like an episode of Ultra Q. Yes, absolutely. Like for a really, really long time, it had Ultra Q vibes. Which, um, for anybody who doesn't know, Ultra Q is the show that preceded Ultraman uh, in Japan, the Subaraya production TV show that was kind of like. What could you compare it to? Like, like the Outer like Limits. Twilight Zone, kind of? Yeah. Like Japanese Outer Limits. Um, serialized show where each episode's a new monster, new problem, whatever. But they're all science fiction and tokusatsu based. And um, Biolante, Godzilla vs. Biolante feels a lot like an episode of Ultra Q. Yeah. I, Sorry to interrupt you. I just, no, no, no. It's cool. Yeah, I can totally see that. I just, uh, this one has such a weird tone and it's so slimy and it's so green. I, 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 I'm such a sucker for the for that stuff. I do wish that they kept every other crazy idea they had planned for this because I don't know what you know about the early drafts of the script, but they were insane. I know. Tell me about them. I know nothing. Uh, about so them. our our scientist character uh, Shiragami, his um his initial experiment would have resulted in a giant amphibious rat creature called called Dutalios. And Godzilla would have killed Detalios, and uh, eventually that would have led into him creating Biolante, who initially was going to be like a giant rose with a human face that sprayed acid, which would have been horrifying. Ugh, that's that's terrifying. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you can see why they went with the designs they went with anyways, but I really liked how creepy and weird some of the original ideas were for this movie. That being said, what we got was interesting, but I do only really love it whenever it's being a Godzilla movie. And sadly, that is only maybe about 30% of the film. Yeah, it's in a lot of the movie. The, the movie gets real hung up on um, the, uh, like the science gobbledygook behind you know Biolante and the espionage angle like the corporate espionage between the American company the Ceradian company and the Japanese fighting over um the um now I forget what it's called but basically the element that Biolante is made of that um oh ANEB A-N-E-B the uh it's a bacteria that eats nuclear material so it can either be used to clean up nuclear toxic waste or you can use it to disable another country's nuclear arsenal and then poise yourself as the the remaining superpower who the only person who has nukes because you've destroyed everyone else's nukes with the aneb it was it was a lot there's a lot of that there's a lot of guys shooting at each other the beginning had the uh it's the Godzilla stunt spectacular oh, because yeah. it's just stuntmen running around <laughs> to a disco version of the Godzilla I love theme. that that uh, version of the theme <laughs> I mean, I was I was into it. I was just also like, I don't remember any of this, but it's a lot of guys shooting each other and trying to steal briefcases and stuff like that. It's very Well, weird. the interesting thing with that is the fact that Kazuki Gamori, who directed it, had very little interest in directing a Godzilla movie, but his dream was always to make a James Bond movie. Oh, that makes a lot of <laughs> yeah. sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, there, There's some really funny... Uh, English dialogue, especially from our villains. Of, yeah, there. I wrote one down because it cracked me up. Uh, I gotta find it. I gotta find it. It's in my notes, but there's 16 <laughs> pages of them. Also, I at some point before we move on to the next movie, I have a list from this movie I want to read for you. Okay? okay. Walter Lowe and John Lee, the two American uh, spy guys, break into the lab to steal the ANEB. Um, the uh, mysterious assassin from Seradia starts firing on them, starts shooting at them. And, uh, uh, <laughs> well, I think his name is Walter Lowe yells, damn, we got a lethal weapon, <laughs> but he yells it over gunfire. So I don't know why he says it. And then as they're running away, there's a, there's an overdub line, a, a line that was looped in of someone just going, we're in trouble. <laughs> The one I always remember from Which them is, is, this isn't a beauty contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great scene, too, because they are, so they're, they're observing from a van, like they're spying, okay? And they're having a stupid-ass conversation. But then the mysterious Ceradian gentleman is behind them only like 30 feet spying on them from his car. And I'm just like, all they would have to do is turn their heads and they would see him up there he's not even hidden it's so ridiculous oh, yeah it's um tonally it's an odd movie i know the the reason for the sciency gobbledygook that they focus on is because everyone involved was really fixated on using biotechnology rather than nuclear energy as a plot point because they thought it would be more i don't know relevant to 1989 yeah which is fair 
but at the same time, it's not that interesting. That's an inter- interesting that they like were deliberately trying to do that because Godzilla 84, 85, Return of Godzilla is is it has a lot of nuclear uh, weapons elements. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of nuclear weapon talk, and there's even the sequence where you know Russia accidentally. Uh-huh. launches a nuke and then it has to be intercepted and everything like that um so it's just interesting that they decided to go in the exact opposite direction with the next film um can i can i read you oh my please list? do please do so I, I i started to notice that in the film there were a lot of fictional organizations uh some of which have hilarious names and i want to i want to read them all to you okay and i'm going to save my favorite for the end so i got to put my thumb on it. okay <clears throat> we have the Seradia Institute of Technology and Science, the Japan Psionics Center, National Land Agency Special Disaster Research Committee Godzilla Department, uh, uh, Tsukuba Bioengineering Laboratory, Ukachi Foundation, American Bio Major, those were the American bad guys trying to steal the ANIB, the Macrophyte Surveillance Headquarters, and the Seradian Oil Corporation, and lastly, my favorite, which only appears in the beginning and has no bearing over anything, but has an amazing name, the Mental Science Exploitation <laughs> Center. <laughs> which is, I mean, I, I, I really dig, that's where, that's where um, uh, Shiragami is doing his research at the beginning of the movie. Man, I didn't remember there being that many company names, Jesus there's so many and they kept popping up on screen and I was like, there's so many. So I, I started highlighting them <laughs> in red because I was like, sure, surely there can't be more of them. And they just kept coming and coming and coming. There's probably a couple I missed too, but it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, um, I, I also wanted to make a quick note of, I talked about how the last film, Return of Godzilla, had a special appearance by a folk singer whose name is escaping me right now. I feel terrible about that. And this one yeah. has a special cameo by a famous metal uh, frontman, Demon Kagure, shows up briefly on a TV screen just to tell people to watch the news after Godzilla. Oh, this the same <laughs> yeah. guy. They do they do like a they do like a L cut or J cut of him laughing over something. Yeah. And then it cuts to him and I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> And then he's like, oh, wait, everybody yeah. watch the news. You, yeah, you can't <laughs> so You can't weird. say the movie doesn't have a lot of personality. I'll say that much. It does. Um, oh, I wanted to run this by you. So I, I mentioned earlier that I thought the ending was a little lackluster, mm-hmm. um, partially because the way um, Godzilla, basically, they, they, they hit him with the, um, I'm trying to remember, is it the cadmium missiles that get him? And it, it's... <laughs> it, they take a long time to take effect. Am I remembering it's, this correctly? It's the cadmium <laughs> missiles, cadmium missiles in uh, Return of Godzilla. In this, they shoot some kind of chemical into his body. That I'm trying. Oh, is it the? Uh, it, it might be yeah. the ANEB actually. I think they hit him with the A. Yeah, sorry. So they're running together. They hit him with the ANEB, and then it takes a while for him to for it to take effect. And that is how he drops at the end, as it finally takes effect. But the shot is it's it's Godzilla on a beach and he just kind of like takes a few steps and then topples over mm-hmm. um like gauge at the end of pet cemetery just like no fair and then he goes <laughs> down and the they didn't otherwise this movie is great about something that i i think it might m- must be difficult in kaiju stuff because they get it right so rarely scale mm-hmm. there you have to have a sense of scale with your camera work 
with things in the foreground and things in the background. And this movie is very good about that. The effect sequences are all very, very good. The composites are all very good. But this shot of Godzilla toppling over is literally just a man in the Godzilla suit standing on the beach. <laughs> Like, there's nothing in the foreground to make him look big. He's not shot in any special way. So it just looks like the guy in the suit got sleepy and toppled over. And um, and then the movie forgets that Biollante exists for about five minutes. And then shows you Biollante's death. And this, this, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Sorry, this was a roundabout way. I just remembered how silly that shot of Godzilla is. So when, <laughs> when Biollante turns into um, particles, which is really cool, mm-hmm. a cool effect. And goes up into space to become a space flower. Uh, there is a horrible composite shot of the actress who plays Erica, uh, which is um, uh, shoot, what's the name? There's a doctor in every one of Shiragami. Shiragami's daughter Erica. It's just like her headshot, yeah. like with a feather around it, and it floats up with the particles. And I, I, I have to believe. <laughs> I have to believe that in the script, it was that the Biollante particles form her face for a moment before drifting yeah. into space, and then the effects the effects guys were just like, "Yeah, we we uh, we don't know how to do that." So, do you have a have like a picture of her, or <laughs> like, what do you think was going on there? Was that intentionally the effect? I I think it was intentionally the effect. It just that. When they said it, it sounded way more poetic than it looked on. Because <laughs> every time I see it, I, I think of Poochie from The Simpsons when he, you know, I must go now. My planet needs me. And just slides. Needs me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, um, it, it made me laugh out loud, which is probably not the desired effect. Because um, it was the wrong kind of corny. Yeah. The right kind of corny, I think, is the shot of Earth. With the rose, yes. you know, it's a it's a perfect composition. The rose floating in space and you see Earth in the background. That's corny, but I'm like, that's effective. It's on theme, and I like that shot a lot of the, the Biollante rose in space. Um, but yeah, that, 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 just that ending of that battle you know, is I think... such a bummer. It, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then Shiragami gets shot and just dies, which is very strange. I think the whole ending is weird. So, like... Godzilla dies, Biolante dies, Shirigami gives the moral of the movie, gets shot, then there's like a tussle with the villain that is super anticlimactic. They kill him in the lamest way possible. Oh, yeah. And uh, then Godzilla just gets back up. And they're like, oh, I guess that didn't yeah. kill him. And then he goes into the ocean. And then here, what's crazy about, oh, so that reminds me. So yeah, this is what it was. The, I forgot. Seb, there's so much shit in this movie. So the the they use the ANAB on Godzilla, but it isn't working because according to this movie's logic, Godzilla is cold-blooded, which I don't buy and don't like. Um, and gets contradicted later. But anyway, um, so they use a weather control device that they just happen to have. There is no setup for this. It is just a device that can change the temperature and cause storms. And then somehow, um, what's his name? Kuriki, um, the non-character in the JSDF who remote pilots the Super X2. I think his name is Kuriki. Anyway, he somehow knows how to use that to zap the Seradian terrorist guy mid-fight with the other. This thing. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's, 
It's a mess, but it's got a lot of gumption. It does. It does. I don't. I, I feel like I'm being negative. I don't dislike it. I actually, there are things about it I absolutely love, but if, it was way weirder and, and more convoluted than I remember. If I have any real complaints, and I'm glad you brought up scale a moment ago, because something I really love in Return of Godzilla, and I didn't really take it until the last time I watched it, was the fact that something big has changed between 1954 and 1984. Now the buildings are bigger than Godzilla. And yeah. Godzilla feels like this natural thing walking through this gigantic artificial landscape. And it's haunting. It's nightmarish. Uh, it, it almost feels dystopian. And then you don't really get that in this one. It's more standard Godzilla rampaging. And I really missed that this time around. It It is. It's, it's striking in... Um, it's, they also you get that sense of scale in, in some scenes in, um, in destroy mm -hmm. as well. But since, you know, a lot of the Godzilla battle takes place in that one spot in, in, in Godzilla returns. And there's those two or three buildings in particular that are taller than him. And it is freaky to look at because first your brain goes like, look how big Godzilla is, but then look how big these things are. But then like the logical part of my brain goes, Oh man, those models are huge. <laughs> They had to build like 10 foot tall, taller than that. Cause how tall is Godzilla? He's like eight. The Godzilla suit probably makes the actor like eight probably, feet tall, yeah. right? And then, and then you have these buildings there that are half again, taller than him. So they're at least like 12 foot tall building models, which is pretty wild. And I think he knocks one of them down on the uh, super X, which is pretty awesome. But, um, yeah, I thought the same thing watching. I was like, oh my gosh, look at the buildings. They're huge. Do we, like, outside of aesthetics and, like, design, because we both agree Biolante looks awesome, do we think yeah. she's that effective of a Godzilla opponent, though? She, she would have been if they had delivered on the promise they made early in the movie, because it was like... There's this... Frickin' Mickey, man. Cause like, I don't understand why she's in this movie, but there's, there's a scene where, um, Biolante sends tentacles up and they almost kill, uh, uh, Shiragami. And Mickey says, Oh, Erica's spirit is no longer in there, but she is. And they, and they never tell you why she said that or when the spirit comes back, if they had used. Um, and the movie contradicts itself at the end when Godzilla gets up and walks away, everyone's like happy, mm -hmm. but they're forgetting that they just spent the last, like, however much time trying to kill him and trying to engineer ways to stop him. But when he gets up and walks away, everyone's like, Oh, look at him go there. He, I like that guy. He's, you know, he gets into trouble, but I sure do like that Godzilla fella. Um, if they delivered on the promise of we're going to use the good spirit inside of Biolante as a weapon to defeat Godzilla. If Biolante had become the heroic monster in the movie, mm -hmm. I think she would have been more interesting. But as it is, because they make that promise and don't deliver on it, the, again by the end it just kind of, just kind of, you know, sputters yeah. out. Yeah. So it's pretty well known amongst Godzilla fans that this one did not do well at all financially it's become something of a cult favorite i think a lot of people turned around on it maybe because it is so hard to get a hold of and like you know obscurity makes things 
way more interesting to people. I would say it's it's because of how obscure it is and because Biolante looks so cool yeah. and is such a unique design for a Godzilla enemy. Yeah. Uh, before we move on from there, though, I did want to just bring up one thing because I mentioned music in Return of Godzilla. I want to make it clear that this is another movie that does not have a very good score. Uh, and the reason for that is that apparently the composer was not given footage and was just told to score based on the script. So, all right. when you listen to Godzilla vs. Biollante, you wonder, wow, this doesn't work at all. You're, you're not wrong. Well, it felt a little, like, little bit maybe like the composer was, was listening to a lot of Danny Elfman scores. Yeah, it gets, it gets a little, it gets a little jaunty. <laughs> Especially the Super X. In parts, theme. I think I wrote it. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's it's very um, um pa pa. Like it's got like a weird. I don't know. It's got a weird vibe. I liked it. Honestly, I liked it better than the music in uh, Return, just because it was interesting. But it is weird. A lot of weird choices. There was some uh, good use of Ifakube's theme in this, especially when all the psychic children hold up drawings of Godzilla and the theme music kicks in. That's a awesome moment. That moment is so cool. It actually gave me chills a little bit. Like. When they all, like, you know, it's like, the children have all been dreaming about the same thing, and I had them draw a picture, and then every kid holds up a picture of Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good moment. And then the theme yeah. kicks in. I'm, a, I'm such a mark for it, the Godzilla theme. Like, I love themes in movies in general, and I miss them because movies don't do them very often anymore, but that Godzilla theme is so good. So, yeah, this one was a financial disaster. Well, uh, maybe disaster is a little harsh. It did not do well, though, and Toho attributed that to the fact that Biolante was not a recognizable Godzilla enemy. So moving forward, they decided, we'll do King Ghidorah, we'll do Mothra, we'll do Mechagodzilla. It's not the script's problem, it's the fact that we're not using, you know, toys that people recognize. So... We'll, we'll make Godzilla fight himself, but from space. Because <laughs> like, people like... It's the most... You like Godzilla, do ya? <laughs> We'll give you two of them. We got space Godzillas. We got mecha Godzillas. We got baby Godzillas. <laughs> um, the Heisei series has gone down as something of a fan favorite, but I'm not going to lie. Those middle movies kind of muddle together in my head. And it's because they're directed so boringly, I guess. They all feel like TV movies to me. They, you know, they do, although... I I I have a huge soft spot for them. Um, I I I feel like if I watch them again, my opinion might change. I, I think because um, I I when I was growing up, the newest Godzilla movie I got to see was Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, and I loved it. I saw that one before I saw Biollante uh, because you know Biollante was harder to come by, and uh, that one impressed me with like the way Godzilla looked. Of course, they're just using the same suit and the same animatronics that they built for Biollante, I'm sure. But uh, the suit stuff always impressed me in that. I liked those movies, but I also liked those movies back when I only thought of Godzilla as being like this goofy, campy, fun thing. And now I have a I have a wholly different perspective on him and the franchise. Yeah. So. I really want to go back and watch them. The one I, I do remember thinking stood out a little bit was um, Battle for Earth, the Mothra one. But um, I don't know if that hold up. I'm re I, I got to go back and watch those and see. 
Okay, so Godzilla vs. Biollante flopped. They decided to do a bunch of Heisei movies like I described, and those didn't do super well. And so they decided, we're going to kill off Godzilla. We're just going to wipe him out for good once and for all, at least until we decide to make more money off of him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it made big news, even overseas. In the United States, uh, people were curious. And apparently Toho even received letters of protest saying you can't do this. To which I'm sure Toho said, if you didn't want us to do this, then why did our movies keep failing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is what you get. They, <laughs> they tossed around a lot of ideas. For a while, it was going to be Godzilla versus Ghost Godzilla, where he's going to fight the spirit of the original 1954 monster, which possesses Godzilla Jr., his offspring introduced in the middle three films. And uh, ultimately, they decided to go with an original foe. They decided to go with Destroya, which is a horrible demonic mutation spawned by the oxygen oxygen destroyer which is the weapon that killed godzilla back in 1954 and it's something of a fan favorite people seem to be very fond of it i can definitely see why i'm not crazy on it i think it's a little bit of a mess but i'm very fond of the ending and i'll get to that in a bit but i want to hear what dustin has to say on godzilla versus destroyer first um so originally when I when I saw this movie I I felt similarly I think to the way you you feel about it where I, I was not super into it and nothing it did really impressed me but I looking back now I think part of that is because I saw it much later and I saw it around the same time as I saw the 90s Gamera trilogy which is what kind of reignited my love of kaiju and tokusatsu movies when those were available in the states and, um, you know, uh, Attack of Legion, uh, which came out a year after this one, I think, um, or before. Is it, is it before yeah. or after? No, no, no. no. Uh, I was trying to remember because Guardian of the Universe is 95. This is 95. So, yeah. Okay. And so then Attack of Legion would have been like 96 or 97 probably. And um, that one, I, I still think like the... Like the smaller monster moments in that movie are better than what we get in in Destroya, um, but they're very similar. Um, in fact, I was conflating them in my head. I was confusing them because as I was watching Destroya, I was like, "Okay, when's the scene where they like attack the train?" And when's because I kept remembering like the ones in Attack of Legion like eat glass and stuff like that. Um, and so it didn't impress me that much because I was comparing it to that movie. Now I watched it directly after watching Return of Godzilla and Godzilla versus Biollante. And I think it might be one of my favorite Godzilla movies now. Like I really, I really, I really loved it this time around. And I, and I, I, and even there are even things that I, that I thought were silly and I didn't like, like uh, Miki returning was kind of a waste because she, comes back and it isn't even really the same character anymore and doesn't really barely even has her like psychic abilities. Um, uh, show uh, Kuroki. I want to say his name is Kuroki. He, he comes back to pilot the X3 and I don't like the design of the super X3 cause it looks like a big toy cargo plane now um, instead of a cool hovercraft. Um, but all the Godzilla stuff, worked for me this one even though it's around the same length as the others it feels quicker it's got a quicker pace to it 
Um, I really dug everything with Destroyer, Destroya, whatever you want to call him. Um, and honestly, when when uh, Godzilla Jr. shows up, I was instantly like latched onto him. I loved him. I think he's adorable. And then when he gets mortally wounded, I I teared up a little bit. I had a, I had emotional reaction to to Godzilla Jr. getting hurt. And then when Godzilla uh, melts down at the end and and dies, I had another emotional reaction. So I don't know, Sebi. This time I watched it and I was like, Yeah, man, I, I love this shit. I I I could have I could have started it over and watched it again. I think I really dug it. Well, you know, I think that. What I'm so harsh on right now is the fact that I don't find the human element of this movie particularly compelling. And I am someone who does get into the human element of Godzilla movies a lot. I'm that weirdo. Um, they bring back uh, Emiko Yamane, played by Momoko Koichi. Uh, she's in it for maybe five minutes. I feel like that was a waste. I see, It's a nice attempt to tie it in somehow. Uh... But man, I didn't care about anybody else. I don't care about Mickey. I never cared about Mickey. She, no, I never cared like, about Mickey either. Yeah. Um, but the monster stuff is really good. The part towards the end before the last fight when Junior and Godzilla have their little reunion is one of the sweetest things you'll ever see in one of these movies. It brings tears to my eyes. Well, there's also the moment where Godzilla goes and stands over... Um... Uh, Godzilla Jr.'s body and like mm-hmm. he's making Godzilla sounds but they're they're sad <laughs> and then yeah. you have Mickey you have Mickey and uh, Maru and Maru is like a total waste of a character I don't know why she was there because she's just a clone of Mickey like they just there's mm-hmm. just two of the same character basically but they're psychic so they can per- perceive what Godzilla's feeling and she goes Godzilla's crying and I was like oh my god Godzilla's crying <laughs> Oh my god! Like I had a, I had an emotional reaction to that. I got I got attached to the monsters, but you're you are one hundred percent correct that the human stuff is whatever. It's it's there, it exists. Even it's it's it, as convoluted and weird as the human stuff was in the other two movies we discussed. It's it's weaker here. It's 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 so much weaker, and um. But I I am the kid who uh, basically like doodled in his doodle pad or played with his toys until Godzilla showed up in the Godzilla movie I was watching. You know what I mean? Like I'm the stereotypical, like I don't give a shit about any of this. When is the monster coming back? So even though I'm not quite like that anymore, like I still have that element about me where if the monster stuff is good, uh, I kind of don't care if the human stuff isn't so much. I do think this one has a very strong opening. And I think, like, the imagery of Godzilla burning at night, crashing through Hong Kong, is, like, so awesome. It's such a great, great, perfect opening. And it's, like, the most Godzilla-y Godzilla stuff the Heisei movie has pro- movies have probably given us since Return. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you can't really talk about the movie without, you know, you gotta talk about the death. And Godzilla's death is perfect. It's like it's pre- so it's pretty well awesome. Handled. And, and and what's interesting is like, you know, I I want to believe that this was a conscious choice, but um do you remember the first thing you see like the first sign that Godzilla is um 
we'll preface this movie hinges on a natural disaster destroys birth Island, which I guess is where Godzilla and Godzilla jr. Live destroys Mm -hmm. the Island and then has the effect of it injures Godzilla to the point, or it has like a, a weird meteorological effect on Godzilla that is making his heart literally, uh, first it's going to explode like a nuclear reactor. And then once they get that under control, it's going to melt down and they even name check China syndrome, which is a reactor melting down and then burning a hole through the earth. So like he is, Mm -hmm. he's, he's a giant walking nuclear reactor that is going to melt down. But when he finally does melt down, do you remember what you see first? Do you remember the first indicator of, of him, of what, that he's melting down? And I don't mean the glowing. I, I mean the actual sequence where he's melting down. Like the gunk dribbling off his face. It's his, uh, what do you want to call him? His dorsal spike. Oh, his dorsals. Yeah. They start, Oh, that's right. They start to melt right off. Uh, it's, and the, and the thing about that, that, that to me feels symbolic is of all the, every design variation of Godzilla, that shape of his, of mm-hmm. his, you know, his spines, the, the, the plates on his back, the stegosaurus style plates on his back. They are the shark, you know, their, their jaws is fin. You know what I mean? Like that is Godzilla. That makes his silhouette. That is what separates him from being just a guy in a T-Rex suit or whatever. It's those dorsal fins, those things. And those are the first to go. Those are the first thing you see melt off his back. And it's like, this is the, this, that to me is like, oh, you know, he's dead. Like it, because if you take those away, he is no longer Godzilla. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Like. It's haunting and it's painful to watch. Like you feel every ounce of that sequence. And as a kid, I couldn't watch it. It bothered the hell out of me. You literally see him fall apart, melt down. You see the flesh dribble away. And uh, when he's like just about just a skeleton and he lets out that last screech, it's powerful. It is. Um, They managed. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, they they did manage to get Akira Fukube to come back and score this one. This was the last film Thank he would do a score God. for. Yeah. yeah. And he decided that whereas his Godzilla death theme in the 54 movie was the resolution of a tragedy, this in of itself is a tragedy. And he said, I'm going to score this as though I'm scoring my own death. And he wrote that's what he had in mind when he was writing Godzilla's meltdown. And it's, you, you can feel that, I think. That's amazing. I didn't know that. And that is no. amazing. And, uh, you know, this movie has an amazing score. Like it, especially it when compared to the other two we watched, like the score in this is so good. It's, it's as good as, you know, I mean, it can't exist without the, without the 54 mm-hmm. score, obviously, cause it calls upon it a lot, but, um, Man, it's good. It's a good, good, good score. Now, what do we think of Destroya as a villain? I, um, I mostly love Destroya. I love that Destroya is born from the Oxygen Destroyer. I think that's a really cool idea and a really fitting final, uh, final mm-hmm. villain for Godzilla to face. Um, I love that there are phases to destroyer, but I do not like that. Once destroyer is 
like the Satan looking version that it goes back to like the smaller one. Yeah, I don't like that it can control its forms. Yeah, because the, the flying form doesn't look that different from the final form. So like that's fine to me if it goes back and forth between those. But yeah, I didn't I didn't care for it, especially since it's done with like a magical effect and not like a body horror effect. Like if mm-hmm. we actually saw like Destroyer like twist and come apart and like shift body parts around and stuff like that, of course I would think it was like super badass because I love that kind of stuff. But the fact that it's, it, it's more it's treated more like a magical effect almost, and there's nothing magical about Destroya, um, is really weird. And I and I just mean visually. Visually, it's treated like a magical effect. I feel like if uh, it had been anybody but Koichi Kawakita doing the effects, he was the effect director on most of the Heisei films, maybe we would have gotten more of a body horror thing. I also feel like it's probably a time constraint thing. These movies did not have very long shooting schedules at all. Yeah. Uh, which is what separates them from the 90s Gamera movies. Those movies had less money but way more time to do the effects, which is what made the difference on them. Yeah, it's the, but no, it's I the like triangle, the right? It's the triangle. Pick yeah. two. Uh, fast, cheap, and good. You get to pick two. <laughs> I um, I like Destroya. I, I think I like its weird xenomorph crab form the most. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I like the big devil shape, but it's got these stubby arms that kind of <laughs> make it a little less intimidating than it could be. Yeah. I also think it's wild that for being Godzilla's final villain, Godzilla doesn't get to kill him. He, he participates, but yeah, I thought the he same tries. thing. Yeah, I, I, what I expected to happen was, because I couldn't remember how it ended. What I expect to happen is, you know, there's the scene where it's like, uh, Destroya tries to escape, and the JSDF, like, attacks it, and then it's falling to Earth. And they say, it's falling, uh, it's going to fall on top of Godzilla, and Godzilla isn't moving, which isn't true. It misses Godzilla by, like, 100 feet, which was weird that they even said that. But it's falling, and I was like, oh, what would be super badass is if Godzilla just looked up and fucking let him have the atomic breath, right? Like yeah. exploded him in the sky, but then he just kind of hits the ground and explodes. <laughs> yeah. And I maybe that's just really the American, want... the American dumbass in me, like that. I'm like, yeah. And then he shoots his laser in the sky. Like, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I wanted that to happen. I just wanted something like, God, while melting down, Godzilla just grabs him and they just melt together. I wanted something Ooh. really, yeah. That's really good. I like that. Like, I don't know. It's just, it feels very anticlimactic. It looks cool, though. I love, like, Destroya gushing out all that lime green blood. Like, I love that stuff, so. I was thinking that, too. Bialante and this both had monster goop, which is, like, I, mm-hmm. I know you love, I also love. But, like, there's something really satisfi- satisfying about... You know, there's a moment near the end when um, basically Destroyer's final attack on Godzilla where Godzilla hits him with the, with the heat ray and the whole side of his, like, he has, like, these fins on the side of his head, like these horn things, and it just explodes, just, like, chunks and green glop and everything, and it's so satisfying to see, like, the adversary monster get injured. You know what I mean? Like, there's something very satisfying about it. Yeah, this is, like... 
I mean, Biollante obviously has those moments too, but this was the first one since then that had a truly visceral bunch of monster violence, which yeah. really, uh, you know, that's my favorite kind of monster stuff. I don't like the beam war type fights very much, I, which is what the Heisei films are mostly built upon. It's true. I, uh, I like a lot of clawing and biting. Millennium um, got better about that, I feel like. There was more like monster slapping going on in the, in the Millennium area. <laughs> A lot of tail wax. There's a lot of tail wax, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Godzilla vs. Destroya, um, it doesn't rank very high for me, but it does the one thing that it needed to do, and that is make Godzilla's death meaningful and impactful. And, you know, it's aged well, and like I said, it still has its fans. And it's made one out of you. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I was actually surprised because... My when I was going into watching the three of these, I watched all three of these this week and I was like, all right, my opinion's probably going to stay the same about um, Godzilla Returns because it wasn't that long ago that I watched it. And in truth, my opinion didn't change that much, but I did find new things to appreciate about it. But I I thought Biolante was going to be like, I love that one. That one's going to be my favorite of these three. That one's perfect. I love it. I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I watched it. I was like, this is weird. This is crazy. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and it had a lot of things that like I was not super into, um, but you, know, you pointed it out that you know Destroya has like the aliens rip off moments. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about me, Seb. I am a sucker for that shit. I love an aliens rip off. Uh, what's the uh, what's the Roger Corman movie that's just a it's oh. an alien rip off with n- boobs? Oh, Forbidden World. It's a perfect Forbidden movie. World. Forbidden World. Oh, you love it too. I love yeah. Forbidden World so much. It's just an Aliens ripoff. I, um, I Carnosaur Two is my favorite of the Carnosaur movies. It is oh. just a remake of Aliens with dinosaurs. <laughs> so the um, the JSDF guys running around with their uh, weird red muzzle flashes and their uh, flamethrowers that look exactly like the smart guns from Aliens, and mm-hmm. even down to the the destroyer like um in the like crab form having like the second mouth, like the alien mouth and everything. I love all that shit. I love the sequence where, um, the, the main female protagonist whose, vo- whose name I can't remember right now. Um, she's the granddaughter of, uh, Dr. Yamane. From oh, the first movie. Uh, Yukari. Yes. When she is in the car and the destroyer monster is trying to get her. And it is a long sequence. It's like five minutes long of it dismantling the car to get to her to the point where by the end of it, the car is completely in two pieces and it's just still trying to get her. Like, I love that shit. Um, I loved every monster battle. I don't know, man, this one, it just, it hit all the monster geek stuff for me. So I, I really dug it. And you know, sometimes that's all you need. I, uh, Walked away from it knowing that at the time I would have at least been satisfied with it as an ending for the franchise. Yeah. That being said, it wouldn't be too long before Toho brought <laughs> Godzilla back anyway. It was like four years, guys. Four years, right? It like was... 99? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's another conversation. To wrap this up, I would love to know what your overall feelings about the Heisei films are, what you think they could have done differently, what you like about them. How about it? Um, I think what I what I liked about the Heisei movies, because you got you got to remember, I 
um, I'm older than Seb. Um, I'm at least 10 years older than you. Um, I actually don't know how old you are. You could be an ageless vampire thing for all I know, but I think I'm older than you. Um, you kind of look like an ageless vampire thing, but I, uh, I was born in 1985 and, um, all through the nineties, the Godzilla offerings I had were like Godzilla's revenge on, uh, in son of Godzilla on TV a lot. Um, a lot of the Showa stuff, um, which at the time I, I, I liked, um, but again, I was just waiting for Godzilla to show up. If Godzilla wasn't on screen, I didn't give a shit about those movies. Um, I kind of, I don't want to say grew out of them, but like I stopped being into them really until I saw the, um, the Gamera movies in the 90s. One of them just happened to be on cable. Guardian of the Universe was on cable. I watched that and I was like, holy shit, I wish Godzilla was like this. And then like I think the, you know, then the, the Heisei era to me was like, Sorry, I'm, I'm stumbling through this, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, okay, so I am a special effects nerd, okay? And the one thing that the, the Showa era uh, kind of doesn't nail is the effects. Uh, they, they have their moments. They have their moments, but a lot of times they're pretty silly looking. They're, the Showa movies are the reason that Godzilla is considered a joke by the layman, by the, by the average movie watcher, okay? So then the Heisei era was like, Oh, but his mouth moves now and his eyes move now. And the, there's so many pyrotechnics and they won me over with the special effects. And that is still why I love them. But I don't think any of them can even hold a candle as much as I like Destroyer. I don't think any of them can hold a candle to GMK, in my opinion, or Shin Godzilla, the stuff that came later. So I have a deep affection for them as flawed as they are, but they are very flawed. And you're right. They do look like TV movies by and large. And there's some very, very silly stuff, like silly to the point where you're like, what were they thinking when they did this? Um, And I think I also I wanted to point this out because I was thinking about this while I was watching the movies is I think when I was watching those movies a long time ago, I just chalked up all the silliness to oh, I guess this is just how Japanese movies are. I guess they're just silly. But now I've seen so much, Jap- so many Japanese films that I'm like, oh, no, they're not. And the Godzilla movies are actually pretty weird in the landscape of of Japanese filmdom. Yeah, that's something that people need to keep in mind. Like, Godzilla is definitely more of a mainstream thing in Japan, but it's still a niche thing. It's still very much geek culture fair. Yeah. Um, but, you know... I agree for the most part. I think that, if nothing else, the Heisei movies should be celebrated for being the only Godzilla series that has, like, a pretty strong sense of continuity from film to film. They kind of follow a single flowing story, which none of the others really did. Yeah. Even if they do kind Um, of, sort of, like, you know, no... (laughs) Uh, Destroya doesn't really acknowledge, like, versus King Ghidorah or anything uh, for good reason. Cause that movie like is a mess. Uh, but uh, it, it oh, makes should, no sense. Seb, should, should we clarify? It makes absolutely no sense. Should we clarify what for people who may be listening and don't know what Showa and Heisei, like what we mean when we say that, you know what? That's a good, a uh, good point. I didn't consider that. Uh, yeah. The Showa era refers to the first batch of Godzilla movies. They ran from 1954 to 1974. And uh, 
Heisei is 1984 to 1995. They're separated based on who was the emperor of Japan at that time in history. Uh, the Heisei era actually didn't end with the Godzilla era of movies, which is why, even though the third series is called the Millennium Films, they are still of the Heisei era. That only just recently ended, and now we're in the Reiwa era. And so what, that is I that. Actually, what is, and I don't actually, it, what, Reiwa isn't the emperor, is it? Is, there, is Reiwa the emperor? I don't believe so, no. I don't know what the uh, source behind that name is. Okay. Well, we should probably find that out sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know Hold what? On, there I... are a lot of podcasts where a bunch of scholars on this stuff talk and they can give you all the hard facts. I just want to tell you what I think of these movies. <laughs> I don't I don't think they I don't think they know more than we do, right? We're the leading Sure. Le- Who does? Experts. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that for this episode. Uh we will Probably do another few of these. I had a lot of fun with Dustin on this, and it was nice to, you know, vocalize our conversation instead of just frantically texting each other while watching stuff, being like, oh my god, have you seen Ultraman GDN? Did you, did you see what Ultraman did, Seb? Did you see? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, <laughs> the hard part of this was watching these movies and then not just instantly messaging you, like, what I was feeling at the time, because that's what we did. Yeah, same. But, uh... To hold it all in for a couple days was pretty difficult, but um, I liked I liked watching these. I liked being studious about it and taking notes. And I didn't refer to the notes a whole lot, but it, it helped me remember stuff. Although hopefully, mm-hmm. whatever our our next series is, I don't run them together in my head the way I did with these because I I still can't remember which characters were which one was Gondo in because I liked Gondo. He's in Biolante, right? Gondo. Yes, he's the one who fires the thing into Godzilla's mouth, isn't he? Yes, yes, and then he gets collapsed in the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I liked him. Yeah, he's a good character. <laughs> Rest in peace, Gondo. R.I.P. And with that, we're done. We will be back, whether you want it or not. And uh, we look forward to it. <laughs>